The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Good afternoon and welcome to another segment of the Dr. Stem Show. Today is another good day that we're going to have in the studios because what I have decided to do, I have had lots and I mean lots of emails. I even have people stop me and ask me questions about teenagers and some parents asking me what they should do. So I thought today it would be a good day for me not to schedule any guests. That way we can go through some of the questions that you might have if you have sent me any questions. And you know what? What I have noticed after having been in this business business for over 15 years is that one parent's question is actually a million of parents' questions. One teenager's question is actually a million teenagers that are asking the same question, even though they might not have the opportunity to do so. So before I start with the questions, I want to remind all of you parents that are out there, if you're parents of a teenager, don't give up. There's hope. If you're a teenager listening in today, because it's all about you, don't give up. There's hope. And I might add, if you're a teacher, an employer, or anybody who has contact with teenagers and you've had it up to your head, have hope. Today we're going to be talking about some of the things that you might have questions for, because I noticed that me working with teenagers in the schools and in my office, as well as in the community as a consultant, that a lot of people get to the point where they say, you know what, I give up. So I'm saying to you today that this show is to help you not to give up, because these are our tomorrow's leaders. And guess what? We all were teenagers at one point. So we all went through it. And it's always amazing when you have an opportunity to look back and you say, I wasn't like that. And my parents say that. I was never as bad as you are. And guess what? I'm finding myself today looking at the teenagers and saying, uh, I thought I was bad, but guess what? I wasn't as bad. So let's be, you know, cognizant of that, knowing that one day these teenagers that we have today will also have an opportunity to look back and say, you know what? I wasn't that bad. So what am I saying? I'm saying every teenager has a problem. Every parent has a problem. In fact, what human being doesn't have a problem? There's no doubt about it that there are problems that are related to teenagers. And 
it's a difficult, you know, time for anybody who's in their teens, let's say 13 to about 21 for those of you that stay home until they are 21. I know back in Africa, in Zimbabwe, 21 was the age where they can say you are off age. And what that, what did that mean? It meant that, you know, you get a little bit of freedom to do what you say you want to do as an adult, but it didn't give you the total freedom to, you know, come in and you are the one that wants to be the man of the house or you want to be, you know, the woman of the house. It just gives you privileges that maybe you can stay out until six o'clock to watch a movie or you can say, you know, I'm going to a party and they can allow you to come back around midnight. I'll pick you up from midnight. But in this country, if, you know, I may say it's about 18 years, you know, at 18, most parents say, you know what, it's time that you go out and become a man or woman. And what I've noticed is at 18, most, and I'm not saying all of them, most of our 18-year-olds today, they're not well equipped to be independent enough to go out there and stay on their own and live on their own. And I don't know whether this is societal, whether it's because, you know, most of the families don't have both mom and dad around, or is it, you know, the schools that we are missing, having to teach, you know, these children to be grown up and life skills, you know, to teach them about life skills. I'm not quite sure what it is, and that's the reason why we have this show where in every show I'll be bringing in as I have started the last four weeks to bring in some people that we might call experts that will be able to help us find the reason or the solutions because what I'm more interested in you know as a provider as a service provider is finding solutions to make sure that our teenagers are well equipped by the time that they're 18 or by the time that they're 21 to be able to go out there and live on their own. Some of the problems that I can in general say, you know, have been facing teenagers today that you might agree with is there is no family that has a teenager in their house and they can say, you know, my house is so peaceful. We never get to argue with my teenager. So every household that has a teenager, you will have some conflict. There will be some arguments. There will be some disagreements. So what am I saying? That's a very normal because I know some parents will say, you know, that's not normal. This this teenager is talking back to me, and I don't understand. I'm the parent, but what I'm saying to you is it's very normal to have that kind of environment where your teenager will be talking to you, but I'm not saying it's okay. Two different things. It's normal that they do. they will do that. They'll have a habit of talking back to you, but it doesn't make it right. And I know culturally, for those of you that are not from the United States, this is something that is emphasized in the households. When an adult is talking to you, you don't talk back. Even if they are angry and you know without a shadow of a doubt that they are wrong, you don't talk back. And this will be something that somebody would be wanting to argue with and say, what do you mean you don't talk back? They're talking back to me and they're even telling some lies and I know they're lying. I understand that. But culturally, for those that are not from here, we are taught as we're growing up that you don't talk back to your adults. You don't tell them that they're, you know, that they're lying when they're talking at that moment in the heat of being upset with you with what you do. You'll stay there and you listen because they are the adults. 
I do understand that there will be some adults that are abusive and they want to abuse that power of being an adult and you as a child will be right. And that's where we have those intermediate, you know, where it was, if it was in Africa, I remember you would have an aunt that you would talk to, an uncle, and say, you know, I don't understand, they're making me do this, or they would say I'm having a problem with so-and-so. And in this country, we have councils that you can talk to that can help you with that conflict instead of letting it go where now it comes to a point of abuse. The other problem that is happening with the teenagers and the families is technology and the media. A lot of your teenagers now have Facebook accounts. They have Twitter accounts. They have, um, you know, what else? There's this account where they have the pictures and they show each other, you know, pictures. I know my kids will kill me if they are listening, the kids that I cancel and say, you couldn't forget, you couldn't remember that. Um, Instagram, that's what it is. They have Instagram and they have emails. They have Skype. So what does that mean? It means that for you as a parent, you can't have a word with your teenagers anymore where you can actually instill the values that you want them to listen, you want them to do well, because Instagram and Facebook and uh, Skype, they're doing that for you. Why am I saying that they're spending most of their time talking to their friends, talking to people that, you know, they're chatting with, you know, on Facebook or chatting with on Skype, and that frustrates the parents. Because now you don't listen to me because now you're on the computer and you're on, on the Instagram at all times. We will be talking about how to handle some of those conflicts when we answer those questions that we have today that you have sent to me. And if you haven't heard the email, you can email me your questions to Dr. Stem Matlatini, which is spelled D-R-S-T-E-M-A-H. L-A-T-I-N-I at yahoo.com and I'll be able to answer your questions. If I don't get back you know, to them today, I'll set up another segment where I'll be answering your questions. The other problem that I'm also seeing that I'm sure somebody asked me about is, you know, the teenagers that are struggling with neglect. You see, when you have a divorce or your parents get divorced and your, teen, your, your, your child, because at that moment they're not teenagers, they're five years old, they're four years old, they're six years old, seven years old, there is a feeling of neglect that is felt by a child whose parents split up and then now they're being raised by a father or a mother. They feel as if, you know what, maybe it was my fault that they didn't get along and yet you know what it's never the children's fault and no matter how much we tell the children at that age small age that it's not their problem most of them do feel that it's their problem so it's a normal way that they'll feel that way but it's not right that they feel that way that's why we emphasize and recommend that you go and sit down with a therapist a counselor that can talk to you your child and sometimes if you're able to with your spouse as well, even after they have left, to make sure that you clarify and help this child out that it's not their fault. I say that because as a teenager, I find a lot of teenagers that struggle still with those emotions of having been neglected and having been left by a parent who left because of the problems that they were having. I call them adult problems that make them leave finally. And I believe that, you know what, before a parent or anyone can leave a marriage or a place where they were staying with children, that there's a lot that happens that the children themselves will never understand unless the time is taken to explain to them what happened. 
let's not forget those children that are born out of wedlock where mom and dad just made, you know, this child, but they never lived together, they never were together. It's also a form of neglect for the child because they don't understand what happened and how come my dad is never in my life and how come they never even called or if they called, they call once in a while and they don't, you know, even get to talk to me. I'm hoping that as I'm doing this show that we have some fathers that are listening in or potential fathers that you will be a father one day that you can understand the impact that you have when you don't get back and reach out to those children after you've left. The impact is so big and it's so difficult for these children to move on and understand that you actually were not neglecting them, but you were not neglect, you were neglecting the relationship that was not working anymore with their mother and not with them. So I urge you to be able to reach out and be able to be in your son's, your daughter's lives, whether it's mom or dad, so that you are part of their life and that they understand that they were never part of the equation of you splitting up with your ex or you splitting up um, from your spouse or your boyfriend, with, you know, whatever relationship that it was. So we are talking about just the preliminary of what it is that causes the teenagers to have the many problems that they have. Today on the Dr. Stamp Show, I'm answering the questions that you have emailed me about your teenagers or about your parents. We're going to take a one-minute break, and we'll be right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever felt that it's time to get out of the box? Why are you putting that project off? It's already there in your mind. What are you going to do today to change your life tomorrow? Listen for Live Your Life with Melissa Brown. Get ready to expand the capacity of your heart and mind. Move yourself beyond the mundane and get prepared to do what you've been called to do. There is no time like the present, and the whole world is waiting for you. Tune in Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready for real change in your life? Deep down inside you is a magnificent being just looking to break free. Tune in to Manifesting Abundance with Deborah Loran and Jim Del Vecchio. Most people need to make some minor adjustments in attitude and behavior to achieve alignment with their inner being. Jim and Deborah will help outline these changes and give you the steps you need to create some major improvements in your life. Listen for Manifesting Abundance Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Okay. I know a lot of you are now waiting to say, okay, what are the questions? Can we hear what the questions are? Because I want to make sure that that is probably the same question that I have. The first question that I have says, I have a 14-year-old stepdaughter, and she has decided that she would like to have her navel pierced. Personally, I think no. My husband, however, is wavering towards yes. Basically, I would really like some feedback to, from you to say whether or not I should have my daughter pierced. Let me tell you something. For me, I don't like needles, period. So I know I don't even, you know, agree or encourage any of the students or the children that I talk about, you know, to have their navel pierced or, you know, the additional nose rings and all this other stuff. Why do I say that? Because, you know what, there's a lot of infections that happen when they have their piercing. So I've known and actually worked with kids that had their nose navels, especially navels. They get so infected that sometimes it gets to be more painful for the teenager than having fun of having a you know a pierce on their navel. So my answer for me personally would be I would try to talk to my teenager and explain to them why it's probably not a good idea long term after they have that navel piercing. But it begins with the two of you being on the same page. This is one thing that I work with the parents a lot to say, you know, it's not good for the teenager to say, to hear yes from mom and no from dad or vice versa, because then they can play you. And one, it makes it, you know, so confusing to them, you know, because you hear them going, do they know what they're talking about? Because all they do is they're just telling me that, you know, this one is saying yes and that one is saying no. So it's, it's very important that for you two as parents that you get on the same page if you have two parents in the house and say, you know what, honey, I know you don't, you know, you want her to have it, but this is my reasoning. And he can also say, well, you know what, this is my reasoning. And it can go either way. If both of you say yes, then let it be yes from both of you to the teenager. If both of you say no, then let it be no. But I encourage you mostly to talk to your spouse and make sure that both of you are on the same page. The second question that I have says, is marijuana harmful or addictive? Because everybody around me smokes and I'm told that when you smoke, you think better, you do better in class, and nobody has ever been addicted from marijuana. I can tell that this is from a teenager. What I promised anybody that emails me the questions, I promised them that I would not mention their names because some of them wanted to be anonymous. So I know you are listening in today, and this was from a teenager. What I didn't know was your age because I didn't know, you know, how old you are and how many classes that you've had on marijuana and, you know, excuse me, whether it's addictive or not. And I also know and I understand that there's a huge disagreement out there about whether marijuana is harmful or not, whether it presents, you know, long-term effects or not. I am a personal believer of not smoking anything, cigarettes, marijuana, or drinking, only because I have also seen the consequences of what marijuana can do. Let me tell you something about the statistics, which is the studies that have been done on marijuana. It's actually the most common drug that is used by teenagers today. Actually, it's alcohol and marijuana because a lot of the teenagers that I have, um, you know, worked with, they say they have either experimented or are using marijuana and um, drinking alcohol. So according to research surveys, it says 
12% of 8th graders are using marijuana. 25% of 10th graders are using marijuana. And 32% of 12th graders, they all say they're using marijuana. That's a big percentage when you hear 32%, 25% of 10th graders. We're talking, okay, ninth grade, they're probably like 13, 14. And they already reported it, the 25% of using marijuana. So the rate that it's being used right now, it's very, very troubling because I don't think there's enough that we can say to the teenagers, to you especially, who's asking, which I commend you for wanting to find out before you use, because your question tells me that you are now or you know, on that edge where you have a lot of friends that are using and you want to use it too, but you're not quite sure. So I'm, you know, I'm proud of you for wanting to know how it is. The good news is, is there's 68% of you guys that haven't tried using marijuana or, or, you know, smoking marijuana. So you are part of that 68% of people that haven't used. And I congratulate you and want you to keep on that good side of that 68% of the people that haven't uh, experimented. People that smoke marijuana actually do have problems. And why we say that it could be addictive is because an addiction is something that you constantly want to do over and over again. And when you try to stop using it, then you have what we call withdrawal symptoms. And that might mean that, you know, you start getting irritated. Some people start getting the shakes because, you know what, I haven't had a joint. I haven't smoked anything, so I need to smoke. And as soon as they smoke they start to calm down. That means their nerves now are so used to having, you know, this smoke in their system. That way they can calm down. And that could be a problem because most employers now, they test you for drug use. And marijuana is considered a drug, unfortunately, because a lot of people say, well, you know, is it, it's not a drug because then you can't get addicted to marijuana. Yes, you can. And my take is if the employers are checking on you to see whether you're using it or not, and they're actually, you know, saying they can fire you or not give you a job because they found some marijuana in your system, it's not worth starting. Because once you start and you get to that point where you can't stop, then that means you've shut down all the opportunities of careers, you know, colleges, scholarships that you could get because you will test positive whenever you get tested for, you know, for marijuana. And people that also use or smoke marijuana all the time, they always report that, you know what, they're having problems with, you know, their appetite sometimes. You know, I hear that they eat a lot. I've never been around somebody that is actively having been used or is using, but having studied, you know, addiction and worked with addiction, I know that part of that is you get very hungry and you're wanting to eat all the time. And what does that mean? You're going to gain weight. And weight is not a good thing for both men and women. Because then you, you're going to think, well, I'm just eating, but it's not like, you know, I'm getting passed out or anything. No. But what it is, is your system is now getting used to all this food that you're just stuffing on yourself. And my guess is you're not even exercising so that, you know, you can um, take care of your weight. So that's a side effect that people don't even think about to say, you know what, if I eat after smoking this, then that means I'm going to be fat and that's going to be a problem to me. You're going to have problems with your memory, too. And a lot of people don't think that they will have problems with their memory, their judgment, you know, the, the way that they comprehend what they're learning in class. 
I've had a lot of students that say, well, I learn better when I'm, when I'm smoking marijuana and I understand better and I can see better. No, that's what you're thinking, that you're seeing better and you're feeling better. But long term, you will see that the effects that it has are not, you know, good effects at all. In fact, most people that also smoke marijuana, some of them say they had to stop you know, going to school because they, sometimes they didn't feel like waking up anymore and they didn't feel like, you know, doing anything in school. They just felt tired all the time. And those that are married and they have families, they always report that either they're fighting with their spouses, they're fighting with their children. So guess what? They get short-tempered. They get irritable very easily. So I hope that what I have said about, you know, what you could get yourself into will get you thinking about not saying no to using marijuana. And yes, I think it's very harmful, very harmful, because anything that I'm going to have a choice to take and put in my system, and then long-term it's going to prevent me from getting what I want, to me, that's harmful. So I hope that's very helpful for you today. I have another question talking about, you know, drugs. A question that says, how should I approach my teenager if I find alcohol and marijuana in his or her bedroom and then when I confront her she said she didn't use it and she's not using but I found it in her pocket it's a very shaky question um, and a shady answer from your teenager and I always call you know I mean call the teenagers and I say you know what that's that's very shady because you can't tell me that you have it in your pocket and you're not using it so you're facing probably a couple of things. One, she is probably smoking it if she has it in her pocket because there's no way that she could just have it in her pocket and say, oh, a friend put it in my pocket. 99% I can be very sure that she's smoking, you know, that marijuana that you found in that pocket. The second thing is, you see, with the teenagers, they have this thing that, and, and even adults, we have privacy issues where, you know, I mean, you just can come in and go through my pockets when I'm not there and go through my closet and go through my stuff without, you know, my permission. And I know parents that are listening out there or adults, you're all frowning and going, what do you mean? That's my child. I can go through their closet and I can go through anything that I want to. But the reason why I say and talk about privacy is because what you want to have is better and good communication with your teenager because guess what they would not find it in them to lie to you and tell you that i'm not using or i'm doing this here because then if you have that open communication where you respect their boundaries and they respect yours they are bound to listen to you and actually respect the fact that you know what I don't want to disrespect my mom and dad like that, or I don't want to disrespect my uncle like that, whoever is taking care of you know, the teenagers, because then they respect me. And that goes a long way than busting them and just saying, you know what, because I'm the teenager, so I'm, I'm the parent, I'm going to go through the stuff, and I want to know whether you're using or not. Guess what answer you're going to get? No, I'm not. And then what? You can't even tell them, well, it's bad, it's good, because then, mom, why are you telling me about it? I told you that I'm not doing it. So that's why I urge you to be able to talk with them, to have that, you know, respect so that they can build the trust, you can build the trust with them. Because then if I say, you know, we talk about drugs and how bad they are all the time, and I say, honey, are you doing drugs? And they say, no, mom, you know I'm not. I say, okay, can, can I go through your stuff and then just see that you're not? I believe, and that's just how it works with me. It, you know, it's a psychological thing as well. Because then, if I, if she says no, you can't, then I suspect that there's something 
on, and of course, I'm going to suspect that there's something. So what you want to do is be, to be able to build that rapport where they'll say, yes, you can, and they'll actually go through with you. I've had kids that say, you know what, I give my mom my clothes. I give her everything and say, you know, look through. I'm not doing anything. And trust them when they say that. Trust that kid when they say that to say, I'm not using. And then for the kids, you can only be trusted if you're telling the truth. If you have little white lies here and there, and then a big thing like that happens, and they find marijuana in your pocket, and then you say, well, you got to trust me, they, they're not going to trust you. Because then you've been lying about everything else. Why should they trust you? So I believe them when they say, you know what, I, I have to believe that you know he or she is lying to me. So you have to learn to tell the truth. That way they can know that, you know what, when I ask my daughter this or I ask my, my son this, they're going to tell me the truth. Then you're going to get more out of that than, um, you know, argue with them and tell them something that is wrong. And I hope that answers that, you know, that question for you. There's another question that I'll be answering when I come back from break. Another parent asked, my 15-year-old son has been secretive and lonely, sitting in his room all the time, but won't tell me anything about his school, his life, or anything. And I don't know how to get to them because I just feel that, you know, he's lonely and he seems like he's not interested in school activities or hanging out. What should I do to help him? I will be right back after this quick break again to answer that question about the teenager that is lonely and doesn't want to talk. on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time for Chalk Talk on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives. Technology, instant delivery. We live in an on-demand world. What's happened to the compassion, the kindness, a better pace? Listen to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. We'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world. Our guests come from around the world and we'll discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
just wanted to remind you that as you are listening to the answers, as I'm answering your questions today, that this is not the end or solution to your questions and your problems. And because what I do is to give you a generalized idea of what might be going on, but I encourage and emphasize that you seek help, assistance, you know, further assistance with your teenagers or for yourself as a parent to talk to a professional uh, counselor in your city or in your hometown. That way you can get more clarity and more help as to what's going on with your, you know, teenagers. So before I went on break, I was talking about um, a parent that wrote to me and said, my 15-year-old son is being secretive and lonely and sitting in his room all the time and won't tell me anything about his life at school and he just doesn't seem you know like he's interested in being with friends or school activities there could be you know several things that are happening because then I don't know whether your teenager was one that would come home bubbly and talk to you about everything that's going on in his life or he's always been this quiet and now he's getting to be you know worse because now he's a teenager sometimes when they start dating and you know things don't go well they tend to get back into this shell where they don't want to talk to anyone you know and, and feel um, isolated but what bothers me about your question is um, the words that you use secretive lonely withdrawn and then you also use another lonely in the same you know question that you do to me that you know tells me that we have probably a bigger problem than just maybe it's a relationship that's gone wrong or it's just you know I'm mad with a friend and it sounds to me that by the time a parent gets to be questioning whether something is wrong with this teenager or not that they've seen it happening for a while now so it's not just like you know what it's one or two days or it's one or two weeks so my suggestion is that you make an appointment with the doctor, your regular doctor first, so that they can talk to your teenager and do what we call rule out the medical conditions that might be going on, you know, with him. That way, at least they can take care of that because sometimes that loneliness means they're depressed and there's some depression that's going on. So we need to make sure that the doctor can talk to them about that. The other thing that you also might want to do is to be able to find a counselor that, you know, your teenager can relate to and can talk to because I find that the teenagers that I work with, they would rather talk to me and tell me everything than tell their parents. But my rule is, as, as you know, when you work with the teenagers, we have to share anything that is harmful to them or anything that is of concern that the parents need to know. I tell them that it's not because, you know, I don't want to trust you, but then I also have, I'm, I'm obligated to make sure that your parents know that there's something of concern that is going on within you and we can share that with you. So that might be another way that your teenager might be able to open up. Some teenagers were open to relatives or a friend. You might know that, okay, you know, my son Billy is friends with Kevin and, you know, say to Kevin, hey, Kevin, can you talk to Billy because I'm concerned. He, he doesn't seem to be talking or anything. I don't know what's wrong. You know, can you at least help me out and see what's wrong and how can I help? Because then when I talk to him, he doesn't even talk to me and I don't know whether it's me or not. And guess what? 90% of the time that friend will be the one that will help you with the information that you need to help your your son or your daughter because it happens with girls as, as, as well. So I hope that this has been helpful, but what you need is to make sure that you seek professional help. I also have another question from somebody that says, I cut myself. 
I'm, I'm believing that this is a teenager. Not on a regular basis, but, you know, sometimes once a month. I do this when I really feel hopeless, anxious, mad, or I'm just bored sometimes. I'll start crying, and then I just have a strong urge to cut. I feel almost, you know, instantly better when I cut my, you know, when I cut myself. What should I do? You know what? I'm very proud of you to be able to get on the email and email me this question because that means you can tell that this is not a normal way of reacting to your emotions or normal way of dealing with whatever is going on with you. Um, that is your, the hopelessness, the anxiety that you feel or the crying that you say you feel. So good for you for reaching out and asking what should you do. This is something that we deal with at a professional level. The professionals, we help you find ways of dealing with this, but we have to do a full assessment of what's going on with you and what's going on, you know, in your life, uh, medically with and family relations that you have, your personal relations that you have. So I urge you to ask your mom, your dad, or whoever is taking care of you right now to make an appointment with the doctor so that they can go in and have you looked at and talked to by a doctor you can get, you know, the help that you need because yes, cutting yourself is not a good way of handling your emotions, but I'm glad that you are feeling it and seeing it that this is not going to be a way that does this. For the parents that are listening, some parents think, well, it's a manipulation, you know, behavior that the teenagers just be manipulative because they're not getting what they want. Sometimes it might start that way and I, I don't want to dismiss that, but what happens is if they continue to do it, then it becomes, you know, again, a habit that is not a good habit. And then they'll, you know, end up hurting themselves because they so use the feel of blood and the feel of cutting themselves that now it doesn't feel like, you know what, I'm hurting myself. So it's very important that you take that seriously and get the help that they need to make sure that, you know, nothing is taken for granted. And I say that for everything that happens with your teenager. You never take anything for granted and you say, you know what, that's just, you know, too bad that that's happening to you because we're talking about blood and cutting themselves. I don't care how small the cut is. If you see that your teenager has cuts on them, then it's something that, you know, needs to be looked at. One thing I should emphasize, please don't panic and, you know, start lecturing and giving them all this, you know, I mean, why are you doing that and making them feel as if, you know, um, it's bad enough that they've shown you or that you've seen it because then you never know whether the reason that they're doing it is because of that yelling that you're doing in the first place, that you're yelling at them too much and they don't know how to handle it. And then here you go yelling some more. It, it drives them more into that mode of depression where they feel like, you know what, if I cut myself, I'm going to feel better again. So be aware of how you respond and react to everything that happens in your teenager's life because you don't want to make it worse than what it is without understanding your role in what's happening with your teenager. So I, you know, suggest as much as it is hard sometimes when you know, you know, you know, you know that this is manipulative and they just did something and they know that, you know what, I don't want to get a consequence. So, you know, what, I'm going to cut myself and you know that, that you take it seriously because that's not a normal way of reacting to such, you know, things when they don't get what they want. Cutting themselves is not the way to go. So do take it seriously and make an appointment with um, a, phys a physician to look at them. 
The last segment of the show, I think what I'll do is spend some time on dating because I had so many questions on dating. You know, why is it that my parents don't understand that they need to trust me so that I can go out with this boy or I can go out with this girl and I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to have sex. I'm not going to get pregnant or I'm not getting anybody pregnant. And then the parents are also saying, I don't understand why my teenager wants to date at such a young age and, you know, um, talk about sex at such a young age when they're supposed to be just focused on school. So there's that back and forth and not understanding, you know, who's right, who's wrong, what's going on, and, you know, how should we do it. There's an old school way, new school way. But you know what? At the end of the day, there is no wrong or right way of preparing your teenager for dating. And my suggestion is that it's supposed to be something that is discussed individually with each family and each parent to say, you know, I mean, what do you think about dating and what is the right age for dating? So if a parent says, you know what, I think 18 is the, you know, is the date that uh, is the age that I can allow you to have a date, don't fight it. Because then they've already put their foot down and they have set the rule to say, you know what, it's 18. So if you start at 15 and 16, you know already what the consequence is. They're going to be mad and there's going to be disagreement because you already know where they stand with, you know, um, allowing you to date. But because I knew that I wouldn't have an answer that would be right or wrong, what I did was I put out the question on the Internet and, you know, send out some emails and said, you know what, if you're a parent or if you remember the times when you were a teenager, what age do you think is the right age for someone to date? It's amazing. I got... Answers from dating at 14 is not too bad, said one parent. It gives my kid a lot of free, a little bit of freedom to make sure that it's not too much freedom, but I allowed mine to date at 14. That was one parent. Somebody else said, I think teenagers should date at 13. They just need some limits. They should go mostly on group dates to the movies or something like that, but nothing, you know, French kissing or being sexually curious. Now, this is a parent that's saying that. Uh, you know, they can go at 13, but not to be French kissing or, you know, sexually curious. And my question is now, how do you know that they're not French kissing or sexually curious if you've allowed them to go out at 13 anyway. So think about it as a parent. If you're going to allow it at 13 and saying, well, you know what, but there are boundaries, how are you going to monitor those boundaries to make sure that they're not? I had another parent that says, you know what, I have three children and two of them are twins. They're 16, 16 years old and one is a, is a son. My twins at 16, they both have boyfriends that are their age 16. They've been dating them for a year. That means they started dating at 15. But my son has one girlfriend that he broke up with because she wanted, she wanted to play and not do good in class. So when she got a grade D in a class, he broke up with her because he didn't want anybody that was failing. This way, you know, he says, I want somebody who's smart. So my thing is at age 15, 14, if they're smart, I will do that. So that's one mother. Another mother said, it depends on their maturity. 
It depends on how mature they are. At least eighth and ninth grade, I agree. She's very mature. Eighth and ninth grade, so we're, to- we're still talking about 14, 15. That, um, you know, at that age that they'll be able to start dating. Well, let me tell you something before I even go to the next uh, person that answered my um, my question for me. And I thank you for all the parents that answered the questions and all the teenagers. My problem with that is the definition of dating has also changed. Because then when, when we talk about dating in the good old days, you know, 30, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, when you say you're going to be, you're going on a date, it meant that you're just going out to check out whether this is the person that you want to be with or, you know, I mean, you want to be in love with. Because then a date is just, you know, just that. We're going to the movies, we're going to eat, and then you come home, you give me a hug, and I go back in the house. But now if I'm going out with you, now you're my boyfriend and you're my, my girlfriend. But they are having uh, terms like I'm dating, we're just making out, and I'm going, you're just making out. Uh, what does that mean? And guess what? Making out is the kissing that one mother said, I don't allow them to French kiss and do that. And, and that's the making out that they're doing. So be careful. And, and that's why communication is key. Talking to your teenager, talking to your parents so that you understand. Because the parents have one way of defining dating. The teenagers have another way of defining dating. Because once I know that, okay, if you say you're making out with someone, my question is, okay, so have you been talking to this person? Do you know them? Are you guys friends? No, we just make out. What does that mean? Why, how do you get to kiss somebody that you have no idea who they are? You just, you know, see them in school. And it's important for them to get that picture and go, oh, yeah, how do I get to do that? And they get to think about it. And notice that if I'm doing that, I'm not mad at them. I'm not lashing at them. I'm actually having a civil conversation where I'm saying, you know what? Take a step back and tell me how this makes sense. That you have this guy that you see in school and then you go to a party and the two of you get together and you tell me that you make out. How does that work? Do you talk to him the next day or do you talk to her the next day? No, we don't talk. And then you've allowed them to date at 13 years old. So there's a bigger picture than just I'm allowing my kid to date at 13 and 14 years old than you can ever imagine. It's important. It's very important. I can't emphasize that enough. Talk to your teenagers. Get the descriptions of what they mean by dating, what they mean by making out. What do you mean if I allow you to go to the movies and just not do this? Do they understand what it means to be hanging out with boys at that age, 13, 14, 15? I'll come back and give you my thought on the dating issue whilst I share some of the parents and teenagers answers that they gave me. I'll be right back after this break. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? 
Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Heer. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Who would you like to meet today? Every week that question can be answered on Spark One with Audrey King Wissiger. Our guests are successful people from all walks of life who are willing to share the secrets to their success. Get ready to ask musicians, comedians, athletes, entrepreneurs, and artists everything you wanted to know about them, including their views on coaching style, sports psychology, parenting, food and wine, journalism, media, and much more. Spark One is broadcast live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time well spent. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmolatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, we, we're talking about dating, and I can't tell you enough that there's no cookie-cutter way or answer that I can tell you that this is right and this is wrong. For every family, it's going to be different. We are a melting pot all around the world where, you know, the values are different, the cultures are different. I've had, you know, kids that come to the school and they're married at 12 years old and they're married at 13 years old because culturally when they are born, they actually, the family chooses who their husband is and they choose their family so that by the time that they're about 10, 11 years old, they get taken to the family and, you know, they become wives or they start, you know, getting to be known with this man and that's culture in their countries. I am so glad that, you know, being here in the United States, that that's not allowed for a 10-year-old to be taken to a husband and have that, you know, stay with um, with a man because that's abuse if you do that. So be careful on what values, what cultures you have because I've had families that come and complain to say, well, how could they not allow us to do that because then, you know, in our country, this is what we do. I remember very well the saying that says if you're in Rome, you do what the Romans do. So you're in the United States, you do what the United States of America laws call you to do. A 10-year, 12-year, 13-year-old cannot be taken and become a wife legally or even with your permission at, at that at that phase. It's 18 years old. That's, you know, the age that they're termed as an adult. So that's how it is, and we should abide by that, which gives us, you know, also the reason why, you know, sometimes it's difficult for the teenagers because one minute, if you're raising more than one child, it's really something that you have to be, you know, careful and cognizant about. Because if you have another child that you're allowed to date at 12 years old and then here comes Mary, she gets to be 12 and brings a boyfriend and or says, Mom, I'm dating or Dad, I'm dating. And then, you know, you hit the roof and say, you're not doing that. It's not happening. And yet you're allowed, you know, Mary to date at 12 
that's not consistent. And to the teenager, you, you look like, well, wait a minute. Why is it that it was good for him and not good for me? Or it was good for her and not good for me. So be able to say what it is that you want and communicate with them. You know, sometimes I think I help the parents to say, you know, because if you're raising a boy and the boy starts dating at 14, the girl gets to be 14 and say, well, how come my brother was able to? You're different. You know, that's a boy and you're a girl. The consequences of having to be with a date and getting pregnant and all that stuff, that's different. He doesn't have to carry a baby, you know, nine months. But at the same time, if he does get somebody pregnant, guess what? You're out of luck too, boy, because then you have to take care of the child. So there are different things that they have to be educated about as teenagers. I cannot tell you what age I think is right for you to start saying to your teenager, this is the right age. There's a lot of research that is done about different ages being the right age, the maturity level, the family's acceptance of just what dating is because then you're going to have to describe and define what dating means to your teenagers. Remember now that teenagers do not know how to date. They, they, you know, they just know how to be with someone and the next thing, you know, they, some, some of them don't even know how to be friends. If they go to a date, the next thing the guy wants to do is they want to sleep with a girl. And then if they haven't learned how to say no or what the consequences are, that's going to be a problem for them. So you have to be as a parent, the role model that teaches them what dating means, what the consequences are. I urge you, if you are in a church organization, that the churches need to start talking about things about dating, you know, uh, sex and the consequences in the church as well, teaching these children what it is because knowledge is power. When they know, they are making what we call informed decisions. I know better, but I'm going to do this, which always amazes me because then the teenagers are the most intelligent people that I've ever been around. They're so intelligent. They're smart. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what the consequences are. And they can give me more insight than parents sometimes. But it always amazes me when it comes to making decisions that they can make a decision and say, oh, well, I just need to be a teenager and learn how it is going to be myself. And I want to learn the consequences myself. And I'm going, well, you just took all the smartness out the window because one minute you're being smart and you're telling me that you know, and I'm so impressed with you that you know. And the next minute you say you just want to do an experiment and see how it feels or how it is myself when you already know what the consequences are. I mean, I'll give you a severe, um, you know, example. Well, I know if I take a gun and shoot someone, they're going to die. But I just want to experiment. You don't experiment with things like that. If you know already what the consequences are, then don't make that decision to have sex or to, you know, go out on a date knowing that I'm going to be by myself with this guy or with this girl. And if anything happens, I'm not protected and I'm not well equipped to say no. And that's what the parents are afraid. That's what they're afraid of when they say, you know what, don't go out with someone before you're 18 or before you're mature enough to know to say no. Because some 18-year-olds, let's face it, they're not mature. We have 16-year-olds that are more mature and that are able to say no and know that, you know what, I'm going to wait. Or no, I'm going to be responsible and know that, you know what, if I do this, then that's going to ruin the whole life, my whole life. The teenagers also that have parents that teach them and talk to them and are open to them, they are more understanding and they are more... um, they are bound to 
listen and not jump into relationships as much because they have already the love and the care that they need at home. They're able to talk to their parents, they're able to hang out with their friends, and they're able to make the right decisions. I've had teenagers that actually will come back and say, oh my God, I don't want to hang out with so-and-so because I just saw what they do and that's not me. And I'm so proud of them because they can see that, you know what, I'm not going to feed into peer pressure because everybody else is having a boyfriend. I'm not going to have, you know, um, a boyfriend just because everybody's having a boyfriend. So I want this to be a decision that is made by the whole family that people actually talk about it and make it a point that your family agrees or disagrees on when is a good time what is a good time what does it mean to to be dating and you know what there's always a reason why a parent can say no I don't want you to do this so as a teenager listening out there I want you to understand that it's not because they're being you know hateful It's not because they just want to make it tough for you. It's because of genuine reasons. Sometimes experience is the best teacher, but once you are taught, you also want to make sure that somebody else doesn't have to go through the same pains to learn the same lesson that you know. And that's always a boundary that the parents struggle with to say, I don't want my kid to be able to struggle the way that I struggled or the way that I saw somebody else struggle because I know better. I want to, you know, to protect my kids. So know that whatever it is that your parents are trying to say no to, it's for your own good and it's to the best interest, to, to your best interest that you listen to them. Today was a great show for me because I got to do counseling on a world basis where I could talk to you about some of your questions that you had today. I was only able to answer a few questions, but I hope that you'll be able to email me some more questions and we can have, you know, once in a while sessions like this where I just come in and answer the questions that you have on a worldwide basis rather than on an individual basis to help out all the other parents that are out there as well as the teenagers out there. Um, the email again is drstemmathatini at yahoo.com. As I said in the beginning, if you are a parent that is struggling with your teenagers, know that there is hope. If you're a teenager struggling with the relationship that you have with your parents, your teachers, know that there is hope. There can be peace between everyone if we talk about it openly, candidly, and take responsibilities when we are right or wrong. This is Dr. Stem Matlatini. Join me again next week, Tuesday, same time on The Dr. Stem Show. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.